Are you a sneakerhead? Yeah, boy! A baller? Ballin'. Want to know about the hottest brands you can lace up and run with? Well, get ready, because we got all the details right here. Nice take by James. Oh, he stops! LeBron James puts it down in the face of James Johnson. Kevin Durant way outside. Delivers! Kevin Durant from downtown. It's a six-point game. And it goes off to Kobe. Good to ride Kobe underneath. Puts his nose on the line again. Makes the basket. He's fouled. Oh, what a play. And Kobe, after he was fouled, after the ball nestled in the net, he waved to a cameraman down in front. Says, take my picture, baby. Sixers running the break. Iverson accelerating to the jam. It's kicks and bricks where we got game on the streets, and on the court. Money's gotta be the shoes. Shoes, shoes, shoes. shoes. You sure it's not the shoes? I'm sure, Mars. Money's gotta be the shoes. And here's your host, Jamel Cutler. What up, what up? Welcome to Kicks. Joining me today is a legend in the skate community, my brother, Alfonso Rawls. What's up, bro? How you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me, Jamel. Man, no doubt, man. So for us on the East Coast, like, can you tell us what life was like growing up in um, San Diego? Life for me growing up in San Diego was uh, pretty fascinating after I was introduced to skateboarding in about 1985 uh, from a writer of the Bones Brigade called Adrian Domain. As the story goes, uh, I was playing basketball one summer at the local uh elementary school schoolyard and these dudes come rolling up on their skateboard and just like uh, anybody that you ask that, that that has started skateboarding the first time they've seen someone do an ollie or a four-wheel slide or actually some kind of tricks it's like it's pretty fascinating so we kind of stopped everything that we were doing and just started paying attention to what they were doing uh and after about a half hour or so i uh built up the courage to ask one of the guys uh that uh, that, that was skating that day if i could borrow uh their board um, he let me borrow his board and, you know, the rest is kind of history. I was hooked from that point on. How would you like describe skate culture on the West Coast back in the 80s when like rap was just starting to come up in the middle of, you know, the crack epidemic? Skate culture back then is, was a little bit different than it was now. It's a little, it was a little less diverse. It was more, quote unquote, like a, a white guy's sport, you know, uh, as you can kind of imagine. It was uh, being a spinoff of surf culture. It was basically, you know, pretty representative of that. You know, shortly after I, I kind of got involved and kind of just the timing, you know, things started kind of changing a little bit. And there was, you know, people, uh, hip hop uh, culture actually began quickly influencing skate culture. And around about uh, 85, 86, 87, it started really kind of taking hold. And um, there, there started being a, a, a crossover uh, audience between, you know, hip hop and, and surf skate culture. Did skate culture and rap culture back then kind of like blend together or was it like two separate entities that like didn't come together like until like recently? No, it, it started kind of blending together back in the, I would say, mid 80s, late 80s. Um, you started kind of seeing, you know, skateboarding appear in like, you know, you start, you start to see a lot of skateboarding uh, fashion and, and culture influence uh, hip hop culture and vice versa. So usually like black families, 
you know, when it comes to their kids and athletics, they usually like push their kids towards football and basketball. Was it like that for you? No, not really. I was just encouraged to do whatever it is that I wanted to do. You know what I mean? I was a kid. So, I mean, whatever, whatever excited me at the time is just kind of what I gravitated towards. And, and like I said, once okay. I saw skateboarding um, in, in, in the way that I did that day, uh, it, it, it really inspired me to, to do that. It just felt so new. It felt like something that didn't have no rules. It felt like something that was kind of a, a blank canvas, I guess, so to speak. And, you know, uh, me being somebody that was always drawn to all things creative, it, it, I felt like it gave me an opportunity to uh, to explore, create, and you know, um, and be my own version of of a skateboarder, I guess, so to speak. Who are some skateboarders that you kind of like looked up to growing up? A lot of the skateboarders I looked up to were a part of the Bones Brigade team, uh, which is a Paul Peralta uh, was was the yeah. was the company, um, and the guys were. Their, their team was marketed as the Bones Brigade. And the reason being was that I feel like they uh, represented a diverse, um, a diverse mix of people, right? We had Tommy Guerrero, um, Mike McGill, Tony Hawk, Steve Caballero, and uh, Rodney Mullen. Um, and I just felt like that they represented a, a diverse group of people. And then they also a lot of those guys were actually into a diverse, diverse culture from the standpoint of like music and uh, stuff like that as well. Like Tommy Guerrero was like, you know, he, he was like the first skateboarder I ever saw, probably only skateboarder that I saw that was skating a Kango, you know what I mean? And having and, and rocking like public enemy uh, t-shirts and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I thought that was kind of dope. The rebellion that kind of came with rap back then and the rebellion that came with skateboarding, I think it was kind of like a perfect marriage between the two. Yeah, definitely. That was, I mean, any, anytime, anytime you get youth, any youth culture art audience is pretty, you know, uh, drawn to, to a rebellious nature for sure. So, you know, skateboarding, hip hop, you know, all, all that stuff that had elements of that to it for sure. What type of stigmas did you have to deal with, you know, as a black professional skateboarder? Just kind of more or less being a minority back then. You know what I mean? There wasn't as many black skateboarders back then as there are now. Um, okay. And just kind of, you know, dealing with the typical thing that you hear about, like black skateboarders coming up back in those days is, you know, why are you doing that white boy sport? You know what I mean? And stuff like that. But, uh, you know, that um, that changed pretty quick as more people, you know, got, got involved and there was more representation. Part of being a skateboarder, you, like, um, you have to deal with security and police. Like, what has your interactions been like with um, those two forces? Skateboarders don't really, never really had a great relationship with the police or security guards. You know what I mean? Um, skateboarding was never really legal in a lot of places for, you know, for, for so many years up until recently where now they've built, you know, public skate parks for you to do it at. But before that, I mean, it was uh, highly outlawed. Um, a lot of our activities consisted of hopping over fences and skating schoolyards and stuff. Yeah. So our relationships never really was good with the cops. You know, there was a lot of abrasive attitudes from the cops to skateboarders. Anytime that you were caught skateboarding where you weren't supposed to be uh, skateboarding. And, you know, nine times out of 10, you weren't supposed to be skating wherever it was that you were skateboarding back in the 80s, 80s and 90s. What's the worst experience that you ever dealt with when it came to, you know, police or security? 
fortunately for me, I mean, there, the, I, I was pretty quick on my toes and, uh, you know, I, ro I rolled with a, a, a pretty uh, sizable group of, of dudes. So I, I fortunately never really got caught skateboarting. But anytime that we, I, mean, I, I never, I, I've gotten caught from skateboarding and had to pay tickets and stuff like that, but I've never really, you know, suffered any like physical abuse other than, you know, verbal abuse and, and, and that typical cop talking down to, you know, um, kids and, you know, verbally reprimanding, you know, that, that, that type of stuff. Do you feel that white skateboarders like kind of had it easy or like skateboarders from like other races kind of had it easier when it came to dealing with this kind of stuff? It's hard to say. I mean, it, it, it's hard to say. I think that's, you know, cops and security guards, they're just there to, they're there to, uh, you know, to make sure that you're not doing what you're not supposed to be doing or whatever. And so I think they just kind of viewed, viewed us as, you know, all the same punk ass kids that are trespassing and, and, and you know, destroying property. Um, but yeah, I, you would have to imagine, I mean, you know, if, if, if you, if you're a black, you know, and you're dealing with a, a white cop, yeah, I mean, there's probably going to be, you know, a, um, a different stigma that exists in that, in that police officer's mind that, you know, that, that, you know, uh, forces him to act a little differently towards you than, you know, uh, say a white skateboarder that was caught doing the same thing. Facts, man. So in general, like sports can bring like a whole community of people together. Like you talk about the importance of skating when it comes to like bringing people together of, of different cultures and different races. And as it relates to helping solving, you know, racial issues that we have. I think skateboarding is actually perfect for bringing people together because I mean, no matter what race, you know, or gender you are, especially nowadays, you know, having all the public parks to be able to, uh, you know, to skate at and meet new friends and, and, you know, and, and relate to different people. Any skate park that you go to right now, um, you can see all different races and ethnic, you know, groups and ages and genders of people. And so, I feel like that really definitely helps society and, um, you know, youth culture be able to uh, relate to each other in ways that they might not have considered before, being that it's, it, you know, skateboarding is so diverse nowadays. Out West, like, what are the cathedrals of um, skate parks? Like, where do all the top skateboarders go to supply their trade at? All over the place. I, I think fortunately for skateboarding right now, I mean, it's experiencing quite a boom. And then we had just the Olympics just happened. So that gave us more visibility and everything like that. Um, you can go to any any city in California and for the most part, you know, uh, anywhere in the U.S. And any city has two or three skate parks. You know what I mean? So there's no one there's no one, you know, one place. That, that skateboarding exists these days, you know what I mean? Where, you know, back in the day, it, 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 it you know, might've been the local schoolyard or whatever schoolyard existed in, in your area. Right? But now, nowadays, like I said, I mean, I live in Oceanside, California, and there's um, three skate parks here in Oceanside with, I think, two more that are under construction. So yeah, there's no one universal place. And that's the cool thing about skateboarding too. Here, yeah, these days is, you know, there are tons of places to do it where you're not going to get in trouble doing it. And then you get tired of one place. You've got a few other places, you know, within close proximity in order to, you know, to, to, to go do your thing. Do you feel that like all these parks 
that are going up now is like a direct correlation to the Olympics because now skateboarding is kind of like being accepted by the masses since it's, you know, a sanctioned Olympic sport now. I don't think so much. I, you know, skate, the, the Olympics kind of more or less just happened. And this is the first time, you know, the Olympics was just what last week. Um, and so the skate park boom has been for the past, you know, 20 some years or whatever. Uh, but I do think it helps it. I do think it, you know, helps the representation of skateboarding and, and, and being more uh, accepted in, in the uh, public eye and, you know, more parents uh, getting behind it now that it's been presented in, in a way that is more palatable to, you know, to a, to a greater audience. So I think it definitely helps it, helps the sport to grow and, you know, helps uh, to create more opportunities for skateboarders in the skateboard industry. What would it take to like truly globalize the sport and like kind of make it the way how the 92 Dream Team had on basketball, the effect mm -hmm. that they had? Like, what would it take for skateboard for skateboarding to go through something similar on on a global stage? I think it just happened. I, th I think the Olympics was kind of more or less it. I mean, out, outside of that, I mean, we've been in video games. We're in every movie. You know, we're in the movies. We're in, you know, you turn on the TV, you see commercials that represent skateboarding now. I think, you know, Tony Hawk being a, an awesome ambassador of skateboarding and, and all of the exposure that, um, you know, he, he, he gives the sports um, has, has definitely helped. And so, you know, I, I think the you know, the Olympics is just, is, is another one of those that I think, you know, puts it on a public, uh, on a public stage, you know what I mean? But I mean, for the past 20 years or more, uh, skateboarding has represented, you know, in, in, in the mainstream in every possible way, like I said, video games to commercials and, you know, uh, movies and, and everything else. So um, having skateboarding in the Olympics now, I think that it is, it's, it's another avenue that allows skateboarding you know, the platform, the visibility for people to um, appreciate what we're doing. So do you think like if some of the early skateboarders like yourself and Tony Hawk, if they, if you guys would have competed in the Olympics, say like back in the 90s, that the sport would have been like bigger than it is right now? Yeah, it's pretty big right now. But yeah, I mean, yeah, quite possibly. I, I feel like there's, I mean, there's a, a higher, a greater viewership on the Olympics earlier on. And so um, that would have definitely helped to expedite the growth of skateboarding. But nonetheless, I mean, there was still, you know, X Games and Do Tour and all these things that existed on, on TV that gave, you know, the, the people that were uh, at all curious, you know, to understand skateboarding, you know, they it gave, it gave them a platform in which to, you know, kind of tune in. And how about like the streetwear brands, like brand wise, do you think that, um that these brands that support skate culture can grow their brand further by having, you know, Olympic sponsored athletes. Yeah. I think that any, anything that gives uh, skateboarding exposure is definitely going to help, you know, uh, every, every brand that is associated with skateboarding for sure. In addition to being one of the OGs in the skate community, you're also an accomplished artist. Like what got you involved in the art scene? You know, the crazy thing is I, I, I was an artist before I was skateboarding and it was, it, 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 it's, it's exactly that, it, it, that is which drew me to skateboarding. I kind of viewed skateboarding as kind of an artistic expression. And like I said, you know what I mean? It, it, it gave me something to, you know, it, skateboarding at the time I got into 
got into it was like an empty, a blank canvas that allowed me to create artistically, you know what I'm saying? And so, um, and, and also to that, the beginning of my skate career was actually simultaneous to the beginning of my artistic career too, because before that, it, you know, I was just kind of doing art for my own personal uh, pleasure or whatnot. But once I got sponsored, you know, uh, my sponsors gave me a platform in which to present my art and showcase my art, like uh, via skateboard decks and advertisement layouts and, and, and being able to, um, you know, uh, design, um, you know, graphics and, you know, for t-shirts and, and, and clothing and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I've, you know, it, it, it's this, it, it, it's all, it, it was all an artistic expression to me. Does the creativity that's associated with being a skateboarder and um, the creativity that's associated with being an artist kind of helps you in both areas? Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, like, like I said, I'm attracted to any, all things creative. And that was the reason why I got into skateboarding to begin with. You know what I mean? That, that, that's, that's what sparked my interest to begin with. So, yeah, I think it all goes hand in hand for me. Were you a fan of graffiti culture or were more you more of a pen to canvas type of guy? All things creative, all things art. Like, I mean, you know, when I first started skateboarding, that was the mid uh, 80s or whatnot. That was like the height of Beat Street and Beat Street you know, yeah, definitely exposed me to um, a, a lot of graffiti and, and, and stuff like that, at, you know, at that stage. And then um, also during that time, uh, we used to take uh, paint pens to our grip tape and we used to do graffiti work on our on our uh, on our, our grip tape. So, yeah, that that was uh, something that was appealing to me as well. I like the um, Skate Life series that you did. Like, what inspired you to kind of piece that together? It was just my way to kind of pay uh, homage to legendary skateboarders that I was inspired by growing up um, and presenting it in a, uh, a, a art style that was unique, you know, in that I was creating organic features, you know, that was like the human face with all straight angular lines. What process did you go through when deciding, you know, which people you were going to select to represent for the series? It was just basically reflecting on, like I said, the people that inspired me or, or the people that influenced, you know, skateboard culture, whether it was something that, you know, uh, whether it was a skateboarder that had been doing it like forever and that had, you know, that had made it made an impression or uh, had an influence on the culture. Yeah, that was that was about it. I mean, there's you know, there's there's quite a few. It's like you can kind of go on forever with that series. But uh, yeah, it was mainly highlighting the accomplishments of uh, of skateboarders from the past you know, thirty plus years. The Everybody Skate series is another series that you kind of pay homage to people, and I really like the NWA shirt that you did. And it seems like West Coast and NWA seem to be like a um, ongoing theme throughout your artwork. Like what type of influence did that group have on you? NWA had an influence on all youth culture back in the day. So, I mean, you know, I, they, they, I definitely was inspired by them in the past. And then even, you know, uh, uh, the, 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 the movie that they had recently definitely uh, re-sparked 
those feelings, but, uh, yeah, definitely. Um, and then also, you know, there was, there was pictures and stuff, uh, circulating back in the day with, um, easy, uh, holding the skateboard as well. So, I mean, you know, that definitely endeared him and the group to skateboarders, um, you know, quite naturally. Were you one of the kids rocking the Raider gear back then and, uh, um, and, and the Jerry curl? <laughs> no, not so much. No, not so much. No, no, no Raider gears. No, no Jerry Curl for me. Nah. All right. So the Plan B skateboards were pretty dope too. Like you paid homage to Pac Big and um and of course Easy. You know yeah. what is um what what inspired you to um, to pay homage to those three? Um, like I said, I was always um you know fascinated by hip hop culture and um it, it was something that i it was an idea that i came up with that allowed me to integrate you know those certain identifiable characters into the um plan b logo um and it worked out perfectly um i i, I thought there was something fascinating about some of the elements um that went into each of the designs that were distinctively you know biggie or you know easy you know so um yeah what's your favorite album from all three of those dudes geez it's hard to say i mean you know i was uh i'd have to say you know being from california probably straight out of compton hey how about pop what's your favorite pop album all eyes on me kind of kind of comes to mind and how about big 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 only had two while he was alive but what was big's albums ready to die life after death ready yeah ready to die so, like, you're at the biggest intersection of creativity when it comes to skating, art, and sneakers. Like, can you talk about the evolution of sneakers within the skate community over the last um, 30 years or so? Evolution of, of sneakers uh, in regards to skateboarding. I mean, it, you know, it's been, I thought it was kind of odd uh, in, the, in the mid-90s, skate sneakers really end up taking on a kind of a kind of an interesting uh uh angle in that like they had a, a groove on the bottom of the uh of the arch basically kind of a, a, like an, an accentuated arch or whatever that i didn't feel like that was that functional to skateboarding i think historically skateboarding sneakers had been more inspired by an aesthetic than it was perf a performance like Back in the early days of, of, of the, the, the thick, heavily padded skate shoe, as you can remember, a lot of those skate shoes weren't really based off of a, a function. No one never, no one really needed a 10 pound, you know, skate shoe in order to function right. And the skateboard shoes never needed to be that big. It was just kind of more or less inspired by the fashion of the time. And being that, you know, uh, fashion was baggier back then that's what inspired you know the, the the shoes and so as of recently i felt like skate i feel like skateboard footwear has started to become more functional functional in the past you know 20 years uh, you know a little over 20 years but before that i mean it was it, it got pretty pretty ridiculous that we were uh skateboarding in you know shoes with 30 40 millimeter tongues and that were like essentially you know twice as uh as, as heavy and, and twice in volume than it really needed to be but now with fashion slimming down a little bit 
the shoes also kind of you know taper down a little bit and kind of more dressing the function functionality of the sport versus just an aesthetic. Did those shoes, um, the heavy shoes, did that kind of like add to like the injury aspect of skateboarding? I think quite naturally. I mean, yeah, because not only were they big and clunky, but the way kids were wearing them as well, like they, you know, no one was really lacing up, lacing them up too well. You know what I'm saying? So they'd always slip off your feet and right. you get a lot of ankle injuries or whatnot. And with the slimmer designs that you guys are going with now, like, um, do you think like it helps performance wise when it comes to, you know, getting more air or going faster or, oh, or even yeah. health wise? Yeah, yeah, it, it definitely does. Because now, I mean, you know, if you want to go higher and further, you, you know, you, you want a shoe that isn't, it doesn't have too much excess, let's say too much materials and too much weight to it. And so now that you have a shoe that actually fits on the foot, it's definitely going to perform better. So. What other shoes did you rock besides skate shoes? Did you um, mess with Jordans or like SB Dunks any? Jordans actually were the original skate shoes before there was Airwalk and, and you know, and, and Vans was like the only other shoe. The other option was, uh, was the Jordan ones. I don't, I don't know if you remember, but I mean, yeah. uh, the um, Police Academy movies, the Police Academy movies had like some of the Bones Brigade riders on it. And um, at that time, I think they had some kind of deal with Nike or they're getting, you know, flowed shoes from Nike or whatever, and they all had the Jordan ones. And so, yeah, I mean, <laughs> oddly enough, the Jordan one was like one of the original quote unquote skate shoes back in those days. So they, they, uh, those, those were, those were some of the shoes that everybody, you know, the most sought after shoe uh, for skateboarders back then for sure. So the Jordan one was like the godfather for basketball shoes and skateboard shoes. I ain't even know yeah. Yeah, that people yep. was unlocking them back then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, in the in the mid in the mid '80s, there's only Vans was the only other option of a skate shoe. So if you didn't have Vans, you were rocking, uh, you know, uh, Jordan ones. Or I mean, you know, there there was a Nottis Nottis Coppice, one of the you know premier street skateboarders, uh, was rocking Diadoras back then. I do remember that, and I had definitely had to go out and get me a pair of Diadoras after after seeing him. Uh, rocking a pair how about the nike bruins did um did skaters rock then rock those back then probably but not so not as much as the jordan ones for sure all right so like your imprint is all over you know the skate and sneaker community um mm -hmm. like can you talk about like how did you get started at dc and culturally what was it like working at dc in the early days my footwear design career began with the opportunity to have a signature shoe. I was approached in 95 from an upstart brand um, to have my own signature shoe. And within that deal, they offered me the opportunity to design my own shoe. And I fell in love with the process. And then out of, out of the whole, uh, out of the whole design process, not only did I, you know, um, come up with my signature shoe, but I established uh, for other designs that they end up using in the, their uh, line. And so it was something that I've, you know, that I felt like, huh, skateboarding is probably not going to last forever. So, you know, let me, you know, let, let me also take this design, you know, the designing of shoes uh, more serious. And, and I just kind of stuck with it and they gave me more opportunities. One opportunity led to another. And then next thing I know, I was, you know, I was doing, um, you know, design work for another company that I had kind of evolved to. And then from there went uh, to 
to work as the head designer uh, with DC Shoes. And it just evolved and expanded from there. And here I am uh, 25 plus years later, um, still designing footwear. You designed a good amount of DC shoes. Do you have a, like, like a favorite shoe in particular that stands out to you the most? Well, there's a shoe called the Court, the DC Court, which is a basic uh, Bluetooth toe uh, style shoe. Nothing genius about it, really. It was just kind of more or less a timing play, um, you know, with uh, DC becoming a, you know, a popular brand and everyone wanting to support something with a big DC logo. So it was the uh, real basic, clean, Bluetooth style toe um, shoe with a big DC logo on it that became their top selling shoe of all time. And I it's actually still in their line um, all these years later, 20, 20, 20 some years later, and it's still in their line. They have different variations of it. Um, so I would have to say that, you know, that, that definitely stands out as, as, as uh, one of the um, memorable shoes that I was able to, you know, fortunate to be able to design. DC, they've been an important part of the skate community for all these years. Like, where would you rank them? among um, sneaker brands that represent the skate community? I definitely have to say that they're up there. I mean, I think that they, you know, they're they really innovative uh, for the skateboard industry at the time that they came out and they were definitely doing their own thing, is which is which what made them stand out. And uh, in, in addition to that, they had the team to, uh, to, to back up all of the creative, uh, you know, energy that they were putting out there. Do you feel like DC had the same influence as sneaker and skate culture as brands like Supreme did? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, uh, at, at the time that DC, you know, uh, was introduced to the game, like I said, I mean, they were really uh, innovative to the skate culture. And what I mean by that is like, I mean, you know, a lot of stuff that Nike was doing um, weren't being explored you know, by skate footwear brands at the time. And, um, you know, uh, DCs were, were, the, were the ones that kind of, you know, introduced a lot of those technologies and stuff that, uh, you know, to, to, to skateboarding that uh, wasn't prior to them coming on, onto the scene, wasn't being explored. I really liked the Gravis line that you worked on. It gave me um, Nike Air Force One vibes. Were you trying oh, to wow. go like beyond the skate community? with those um, designs? Well, definitely, you know, Gravis being a unique brand in that they were really kind of pushing the edge, pushing the limits, you know what I mean, with uh, you know, fashion and, and skate, you know what I mean? Uh, Dylan Reader being one of their main writers with the, uh, I, I designed one of the loafers uh, for Dylan Reader as well. And so, yeah, uh, uh, Gravis was definitely a unique uh brand and it was fun to design for those guys because they you know encourage us to really think outside the box and do different do do you know create different designs that were representative of fashion as well as skateboarding did you ever see the day where like luxury brands or high or 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 high-end fashion brands would kind of intersect with skateboard culture because to me they're kind of like two opposite things from like high-end fashion yeah. brands yeah absolutely i mean you know what what i've noticed uh, as a skateboarding was as a skateboarder grown up skateboarding is that skateboarding has always been highly influential uh in high fashion you know what i mean this is something skateboarders have always known it's like we've always 
gotten glimpse of, of, you know, runway shows or whatever, where you've seen, you know, someone walking down uh, the runway with something that was highly inspired or influenced, you know, by skateboarding. There was a lot of skateboard graphics that were being implemented into high fashion design, you know, that you would see, you know, from time to time on, uh, on the, on the runway. And then also you see a lot of, you know, skate shoes, you know what I mean? From some of the higher end brands being uh, emulated. It was almost like a, a poor, a poor rendition, rendition of like Vans or like, uh, you know, DC, you know, shoes or whatever kind of being presented by some of the higher end brands. I'm curious to know, like, how you feel about some of these um, high end fashion brands, you know, making shoes to look distressed and like selling it, you know, at let's say, twelve hundred dollars on retail like how do you feel about that hey man whatever works works i don't know you know (laughs) i'm saying it's like it's one of those things if if there's an 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 audience for it then you know i'm sure you'll realize that audience if not then you know yeah you know you'll 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 learn real fast if that's going if that's (laughs) going to fly or not so yeah it's it's hard to say isn't it i mean sometimes you think something's going to work and it doesn't and sometimes you think something Mm -hmm. is you know uh isn't going to work and it does you know what I mean? So, yeah. Would you ever skate in like a shoe like the Dior ones? Would you ever do something like that? The Dior ones? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I'm familiar with that one. It was basically a collab with Dior and um and Jordan Brand. Oh and yeah, yeah, like, okay, one, yeah, yeah. yeah it's one of the most yeah. yeah it's one of the most sought after um, and most expensive shoes right right about now. Right now, I'm I'm, I'm picturing it now. Um, would I ever skate in those? yeah shoot i don't know i mean i have i i i'd have such an appreciation for them i probably i probably wouldn't i don't know i'd probably keep them probably try to keep them nice and uh nice and neat being as you're a sneaker designer have you ever like skated and you know in a like a high-end shoe and just to mess it up just for likes or whatever not particularly that i can recall mm-hmm. no i have some jordan ones that uh I rolled around in for a little bit, but I didn't, you know, wasn't like ollieing around and really trying to be rough with them or nothing. What's your favorite colorway from the Jordan ones? I'd have to say the originals, um, the uh, black, white, and reds, and just the black and white of uh, the black and reds, just because of the nostalgia that that uh, are associated with it from me growing up. And, you know, watching all the Police Academy movies with uh, the Bones Brigade riding that shoe. You've been in the, um, in the sneaker art and skate brand, and the skate world for going on, you know, almost 30 years now. Um, Legacy-wise, like, how would you characterize your legacy in these worlds? I don't know. I, 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 I don't know if that's a, a, something for me to answer. I mean, that's kind of, that's left for an outsider's uh, interpretation, I think more or less. I've just always existed in this space where I'm just so fortunate to be able to do what I'm doing. And so, um, you know, if, if, if people appreciate it, then, you know, awesome. I'm just, you know, excited and, and uh, blessed to be living in this space. You know what I mean? And all these years later to still be able to do what I love to do and still have the opportunities that exist within it. So, before we go, I would like to play start bench cut with you. A few rounds of that. Um, I'll give you like three things, and you just tell me start, start it, bench it, or cut it. And since you're a part of the skateboard world, I want to start with these brands. 
So start bench cut, we have Thrasher, DC, and Supreme. Ooh, damn, you made it, you made it, you done made it hard for me now. <laughs> we might have to uh, bench Supreme. Oh, or wow. no, we're, we're going to need to cut Supreme. <laughs> I'm sorry to say, and, and, and I guess my reasoning for that is probably kind of overexposure in the past couple of few years, if I had to kind of, mm-hmm. you know, assign a, my explanation to it. Uh, Thrasher is, 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 you know, it's, it's been a staple for, you know, a long time and um, I might have to start those guys. Start start the Thrasher and then, yeah, so that would leave uh, right. DC benched. All right, and the last one is revolves around um, skateboarding sneakers. So you mentioned Jordan One earlier, so we're going to pick the Jordan Ones, mm-hmm. the the Airwalks or or Vans. Start bench cut. This might sound sound a little bit of a contradiction, but due to overexposure of Nike within skateboarding at this point, if I had to cut someone, they would be the overexposed, you know, Nike. So oh wait 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 wait. wait. The Jordan ones, though, damn. Yeah. <laughs> ah, because here's the deal. I think a lot of the, you know, a, a lot of that design ethos still exists in the Nike line. So I mean, you know, it, it's still, uh-huh. you know, a lot of that stuff is still really overly exposed. I mean, they they they've they've cornered the market at this point, right? And they any, you know, they've inundated skateboard industry so hard that you can't even really go into a skate shop right now without seeing Nike represent. 90 plus percent of the shoe wall so due to overexposure i'm gonna have to go ahead and and, and cut the ones by association all right <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then what was the other two um airwalk and vans airwalk and vans uh we're gonna start vans and then we're gonna um bench uh, airwalk did you get nigel sylvester's air Jordan ones because that was one of my favorite shoes from a few years ago Oh no, I didn't. I did not get those. No. They yeah. made it to look distressed, but um, but yeah, it was kind of one of my favorite shoes, skateboarder from from Queens. Right. Yeah, BMX guy, right? Yeah. I want to thank you for joining me today. Like, you're a legend in the skate and sneaker community. Do you have any upcoming projects that you're working on? I am working on some pretty interesting projects, actually. I got a, uh, I got my own footwear line called Savali. S-A-V-A-L-E. Um, and I'm always exploring just different new creative concepts there. It's not a, it's not by any means a skateboard footwear brand. It's more of a luxury footwear brand. And so I purposely decided to create a luxury footwear brand because I felt like it put, it, it didn't put no limitations on my creative, on my creativity. You know what I mean? If I wanted to design a hiker, I could design a hiker. If I wanted to design something that you can skateboard in, I'd design that. And, you know, if I want to design something that, you know, that existed in its own category, I'd be able to do that. So that's one of my most exciting projects that I'm working on to date right now is my own brand, Savali. Also have uh, posted to kind of probably keep tight lipped about this one because this won't be releasing till uh, the end of the year. But I've got a, um, a project that I'm working on, a, a shoe design project that I'm working on with not only one of the biggest shoe brands, you know, high fashion brands in the world, but one of the biggest brands in the world period. So I guess we'll leave it at that for now. Well, you know, it, it's, it has been an, it been a couple of years in, 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 the, in the works here. So um, pretty excited. It's about to release here. Uh, I think it's October, November-ish pretty soon. 
without messing up the bag, can, like, can you tell us a little bit about it? This is the top high fashion brand on the world, in the world. And creative director grew up skateboarding. And <laughs> depending on who I'm talking to, I might have given it all away just by saying that. I was fortunate enough to be able to uh, be recognized by him and, um, you know, uh, you know, it created an opportunity that I'm very, very excited about. And I think that uh, a lot of people are going to be pretty shocked to see what I'm working on here. And that's dropping this fall in October, right? In, in around there. I mean, you know, it's always subject to change. And I mean, the, the release date has changed uh, so many times already. But uh, yeah. All right. Thank you again. All right. Talk to you soon. <laughs>